welcome everyone to the next episode of the Catributor podcast. We are once again joined by Yusuf. Now you've been here last week. Do you want to introduce yourself again? Indeed, I'm Yusuf. I am one of the XCCs, one of the... It's Technically, it's more barratry than mutiny what we did, but I'm sure most people won't care about the difference. And you invited me back. You fools! You fools! <laughs> So, yeah, it's, it's a genuine pleasure to be back. And unfortunately, I I still do not have a cat, and I still have not managed to source cat ears for the cuddly shark. So I'm afraid <laughs> that remains uh, undone. We need, we need to get your webcam filter. Oh, yeah. Next, next best solution. Don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're going to have me put cat ears on the headset, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, Chad, I could do that in editing, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he could. That, there's a disturbing thought. If you're watching this on YouTube and I have Miss Seriously going, Cat is, they're fake! <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel I need to get this out now before there are any misunderstandings. Uh, that would just be a miscommunication, right? Ah, uh, yes, yes. I think that particular dead horse has been flogged to the point of disintegration, but yeah. if, if it's still it. good for glue, then why not? Uh, well, so, another bit of week. communications. Uh, we'll we'll mm. start with some actual warship stuff, like uh, death blocks this week. And the first we'd have here are clan battle restrictions that have been now for a week or so online, I guess. Uh, the dead blocks have been up for... Five days. These particular restrictions, I think, have been in for two days. Ah, on yes, server, yes, okay. based on it's, the block. But for everyone who missed it, as far as the kind of clan battle season goes, of course, tier six, two carriers. I believe seven v seven in the current matchup. Yes. Um, but they have banned the Lervenheart, They have banned Ryujo, and you are allowed no more than two smoke-equipped cruisers per team. So I'm tempted just to point out that a lot of the Clan Battles teams said long and loud that this was going to happen when the rule set was announced for this season, but hmm, Wargaming got there in the end. Yeah, I mean, people said that there would be a lot of smoke, and people said that two carriers are going to suck, and guess what? Everything that people predicted came true. But walking stance was, hey, if it doesn't work, we can just change it mid-season. Now, they haven't, like, removed the, the two carriers, but they banned, like, strongest carriers. So we're now going to see how the next strongest carriers are going to work out. Probably. I, I don't play clan battles very much, but speculation going around was basically Ark Royal all the way. Yeah, yeah. that would be, like, three top bombers is pretty pretty hefty hit at that tier. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not course, playing clan battles either. And of course, once if you bring in both squadrons of dive bombs at the same time, that's about what forty, maybe sixty little hand grenades raining down on one luckless destroyer. Yeah, I mean, we actually had that back when we were testing Ark. She they she used to drop fifty percent more bombs than she does now, and um, <clears throat> that was interesting if you were on the wrong end of it. Unsurprisingly, they nerfed it. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see how those changes turn out. They'll probably be welcome changes, but I don't think they'll uh, fix the core problem that's too carious. 
We'll see. They they appear intent on that. Um, that's it's said. just it's it's a usual wargaming thing, right? If you tell them something that they are doing is not a good idea, they'll just try to double down on it instead of accepting any form of criticism. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, this is a good idea, and we'll shove it so far up your ass that you think it's a good idea too. I wasn't aware of what having double carrier tasted like, but thank you for that metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, at, at, they've removed the worst offenders. They've taken out the love and heart. They've taken out the Ryuju. I mean, I'm sure we'd all rather see one or no carriers back in because I would imagine destroyers are still having a horrid time of it in this season. But baby steps, maybe. Maybe. I guess it all depends on what they'll, uh, what happens next and how clan battles now change and what conclusions they draw if still a shit show. Yes, and of course it's worth noting that with only two smoke cruisers permitted, you're going to have, let's see, two carriers, two smoke cruisers, that leaves you three slots in your team. I... I wonder what we're going to see the clans do with those three slots, because the Shpe is banned as well, of course, which actually used to be the go-to in Tier 6 competitive. So, hmm. I mean, the Albert? thing is, anything not in smoke is going to get dropped pretty hard. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'm just trying to think which of the Tier 6 cruisers have armor that doesn't resemble a soup can. And the... Yeah, maybe you'd you're like basically Samantha, looking yeah. at the, the Dutch, the I think it's the is it the Indracht six or I think the Indracht is the no oh, tier okay. seven. Uh, tier six is oh. the the takedown. Oh yes, the one I could never have worked out how to pronounce. Um, which, I, if I remember correctly, still has a semi decent armor layout on it. Um, it was the Celebes that had. I remember this in Tessin. Celebes had good armor. And then it got shakier and shakier and shakier up to about tier 8, where suddenly you had good armor again. Uh, did, did they already have planes at tier 6? I think so, right? Comes in at 6. I think you get yeah, one airstrike. First. Hmm. Um, also probably helpful with all the smoke clouds. Probably. In fact, that might actually give the Dutch something to work with, because, of course... The airstrikes are very good eviction notice if somebody is getting a bit too cozy in the smokescreen. So there may be an angle for it there, but we'll see. Let's face it, I don't think any of us play clan battles seriously enough to really have a qualified opinion, so we're just being (laughs) armchair admirals here. Definitely. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of a whole shtick, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Well, I mean, we can move on from the clan battle restrictions to the next death block would have been changes to test ships, although I'm not sure how interesting they are because those ships are still further in testing. Uh, yeah, some tweaks to the Russian CVs, um, some slight buffs, I think. Mm, Cosmolets, I want to know exactly what they've done to the dispersion on the skips, because... Yeah, it just says reduced bomb dispersion. That... Oh, Bear in mind, that's the tier four. That could get ugly. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what Cosmolets' squadron does. Chalkov I mean, the... has had a slight increase in skip bomber speed, 
Nekimov is mixed. It's had increased dispersion on the attack aircraft. And I'm not actually sure. Increased bomb bounce height. Is that a nerf or is that? It, that it's, a nerf. Like it's a nerf. Yeah. It's a nerf. Because what happens now is that whereas before, if a skip bomber came in and missed, it might go, you might still drop short. It would start to bounce up and hit the target. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a bouncing height, you've got a narrower margin, which it will go boop and over. That means now yeah, it will really miss a Petro because it's so low in the water and not very high, and if it's a Corvus, you... it's deleted damage. It means you've got a <laughs> narrower margin of error on your range estimates. You have to be closer yeah. with the bounce lines. So destroyers will notice, as you say, some of the shorter cruisers will notice. Battleships, I'm going to say, not so much. You're still going to have a fairly generous margin on those. Um, Carnos has a range dropped by yeah. a few percentage points. That's lost well, 900 meters, uh, second reload time, and probably most significantly from 2.05 to 1.9 sigma. So it, that was obviously performing a bit too well. Yes. Yes. Um, I never got much time in with her before mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. blew up. But the simple fact that they've dropped her from cruiser dispersion down to what I believe is super cruiser dispersion. Sorry, Sigma. Um, that's a 0.15 Sigma. 0.1 Sigma or thereabouts tends to be the sort of thing that you only notice statistically. Oh, yeah. Especially so if you don't have the be a relatively dispersion. subtle change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 1.9 would sound good on a battleship, we'll put it that way. Yeah. It, like I say, it's bad cruiser, very, very desirable battleship. So, super cruiser give or take, which is more or less Carnot's thing, if I remember correctly. I uh, don't even remember what the Carnot was. I, I have never played her, and I don't remember its stats. Yeah. Um, Repulse has had her engine boost nerfed down to standard, so 8% rather than 10 I honestly wasn't aware that that was a serious problem with Repulse, but uh, <laughs> apparently she's been running around too quickly. Not a big nerf, but... Yeah, that gives, the imp- that gives the impression they're gearing up to release, because normally when they're filing corners like that and just sanding down seams, they're fairly happy with how it's performing. Yeah. I mean, if you compare to the likes of Kano, if you compare to some of the bigger changes they've done further down the dev blog, that, that is almost inconsequential. That is literally just the last little tweak before they finalise for release. So... I wonder when we're going to see Repulse come out, because she hasn't got a good... Unless they plan to release her against the German battlecruisers. It might be doing... I mean, they're almost certainly going to do some kind of, you know, battlecruiser event, and yeah, that would kind of make sense. Or she's the Christmas dockyard ship. Isn't it too early for that? Maybe, but how long have they held some ships in reserve. Yeah, it's not, they sometimes released. they do have quite a long mm-hmm. in. Hmm. So, uh, we'll, we'll find out eventually, of course, but we don't know if there's going to... Well, they're lining up R- Repulse, they're lining up Incomparable. We don't know what they're going to do with a British battlecruiser tech tree line. So maybe that it's just something they plan to stick in their back pocket for later once she's balanced. But, hey, speculation is fun. 
Yeah, then we um, have the multicast main battery decreased, so that's something the the uh, tier four battle cruiser in the upcoming yep. German line. That's why I'm surprised they didn't nerf the speed because if you take, if this, I got to play it a very little bit, and if you took brisk, you could get it to be what was it like thirty four knots or something like that when you weren't spotted, and the concealment was really good. Yeah. Yeah, and the 13.5k is still is still pretty nice for a tier yeah. 4. I mean, I think about the only tier 4 that's going to seriously outshoot it. Um, Ish- Ishizuchi will outrange and out- will maybe outrun on a good day, or at least hold rough parity. Uh, what's, the, what's the tier 4 premium? I actually think it is, oh, it is Ish- Ishizuchi. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, does what's that the, tier, has... the tech tree, the proto Congo, with one total and two at the back? Miyogi. Oh yes. Yeah. I mean, multi-inch guns, smaller gun caliber, same tier, similar range, similar speed. It'll be an interesting one to run into, I think. But I think the regular tier four BBs are going to have a rough time, and so might some of the cruisers. I mean, let's be honest, nobody plays the lower tiers, unfortunately, anyway. If you try to get the lower tier matches it in the queue for ages, and the way they are tier releasing f- it, everybody will start with a higher tier ship anyway, so it's probably most people will never touch mm-hmm. this. Probably, yeah. Um, most people who grab, well, tier 4 and below have, as you say, the early access monetization tends to result in tier 5 plus being go, 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 go. Get straight to it, guys. And I mean, even if you yeah. don't spend any money, right, with free missions, you usually get the tokens that you easily grab, the, like the tier 5 at yeah. least. And even then, most people just free XP straight past tiers 2, 3, 4, and maybe think about mucking about at 5 and 6 to get a feel for the line. So, as you say, it's another case of sanding down the seams, but nothing wrong with the 13.5k range on a tier 4 anyway. Yeah, that's absolutely pretty fine. good. Hmm. So, Titan Gibraltar. Uh, let me think. That's heavy cruiser, AP only. Kind of a heavy, angry version of the Minotaur, if memory serves. And they've changed the AP shell parameters to match. Yeah, so, it's now down to the okay. short fuse. And the arming threshold has dropped dramatically as well. Yes. And the big one there, of course, is that that will now reliably detonate on destroyers. Yeah, I mean, if you only have IP, that's going to be rather important, I suppose. Mm. The other thing about that, of course, and this will be its advantage over Minotaur, is that Gibraltar, I think, is running around with 200... It's going on with a 9.2-inch gun, I think, so 220 yes. millimetres or thereabouts. Um, which means, if I remember my overmatch thresholds correctly, it might actually... 234 millimetres. 234, thank you. So 234 over 14.5, overmatch threshold 16 millimetres or below. That might just be enough that it doesn't actually no destroy hulls are 19 millimeters aren't they i don't know all of those parts to be honest what's like oh, a minotaur power like 
Yes. I mean, it will it will go through the bow of a Minotaur. There's no bounce there, I think. I think, yeah, I think Minotaur's bow is only 16. Um, I'm trying to remember, I think Destroyer holds of that tier tend to be 19 millimeters or thereabouts, so it'll st- you'll still be relatively safe going bow in, ironically enough. This is one of the weird tricks that drive Minotaur drivers nuts at high tiers. Um, you can go bow in with a destroyer and deflect a surprising amount of gunfire with one of those. Yes. Uh, but I don't think that's going to change it. The other thing, of course, is that they've amped up her repair party, so she now fixes one-third of Citadel damage. Of course, if you've taken Citadel damage, you might not have a ship to fix anyway, but that's <laughs> besides the point. Uh, like, uh, how how well armored was Gibraltar? Like, how... I think, didn't we... I remember looking... Didn't we look at a picture of it previously, and it's still got that same... Humpback Citadel? I assume Ultimate she is a variant on Goliath. Yeah. Because Wargaming have developed a tendency to recycle hulls of late. Well, you know, it's cheaper. <laughs> True enough. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that change also goes for the Tulsa, which is getting up buff to the repair party as well. The, the Tulsa the was like the like tier 9 Des Moines, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Proto Des Moines, yeah. Um, in, as someone pointed out, we're going to have uh, three Oregon City class cruisers with everything when the dust settles on that set of additions. And, of course, the same carrier applies. Yes, you can heal back more citadel damage. Of course, first you have to survive taking the citadel damage and it's probably preferable not to get citadeled in the first place. So, that's the ST10-8 blog, which brings us on to visual changes. Oh yeah, the one thing that's actually consistently pretty good about warships, right? Hmm. And I mean, that, that volcano just looks beautiful, doesn't it? With the lava, like, yes. swinging down. Yes. Uh, no argument there. I mean, two brothers, the islands have had a solid overhaul. Yeah, it, it actually, me? I mean, on the kind of, based on the Hebrides. It's more yeah, like sky I'm... than here, but still, it, it, like, the coloration now actually looks a lot more correct for here. So I, I, mm. I, I do particularly like that one. Okay, okay. hold me for a second. Hold, bear with me for a second. Keep an eye on the two brothers' image. Yes. Can, can we just roll back down to it, please? Yep. Okay. Um, look at the width of that channel. If that's yep. the mid-channel in two brothers, does that look wider to you? It does, but it might also be... It's hard to say from this perspective, camera. Yeah, it might be perspective. It might be perspective. It might be that... I think they've lowered the height of the Western Island, because I'm pretty sure we're looking at the mid-channel from the southwest in this image. So where they've got the Kirk and the small settlement... Just yes. on the promontory. Yeah. That, if, that to me looks like they've lowered the Western Island. So it'll be easier for aircraft to make runs in to an extent. And of course, easier to get shells over and clear the channel if you've got somebody spotting. So from a tactical standpoint, that could get kind of interesting now. 
it's going to be less of a Mexican standoff in the center, if I'm reading that photo right. I mean, if they've lowered the islands, it will like also push us harder because you, you'll have less cover inside the channel and ships that are like awaiting you will have an easier time, like, you know, share it you. Maybe. You could also argue that that's just an incentive to get your push done quick so you're into defilade and they can't mob shells over the other island. I, I swear they've lowered that western island. The eastern one looks relatively unchanged, but the western one, uh, maybe it's just the way the shot's been trained. And, yeah. Uh, Also, uh, when we look at, uh, at the hotspot volcano, do you think like this will just permanently erupt during the whole game, or do you think this will just be like an event that happens? I don't know what the Actually, it'll be kind of bubbling away the whole game. I don't. Okay. It would be unlike them to have a thing that's happening part way through, but it would be kind of cool if they did do it that way. Well, they have, and if remember, if you go back to the apocalypse event a couple of years back. One of the things they did tech test during that was dynamic terrain. Um, at the time, we were shoot if you remember, we were shooting holes in buildings, and there was a bit of discussion at the time about things like demolishing icebergs during a game to open up new lines mm -hmm. of approach and attack. So that's never materialized, but I wonder if they're looking at a more cosmetic implementation so they can have things like the volcano starts to erupt mid-match. Um, I assume it's going to be purely cosmetic, and uh, oh, that's pretty, but yeah. Oh, hey, suddenly it's raining lava if you're within 10 kilometers of the island. Do you okay. really want to be camping there anymore? I mean, that would be interesting. I mean, I have, uh, obviously, the dynamic weather effects, like the storm that moves through the map or the cyclone that yeah. starts, so they could definitely do something like that. It would be interesting if there were, like, more dynamic events that like break up the flow of the battle, right? Maybe open up new opportunities or things like that. I mean yeah. I could have I mean, like an ash cloud or something there that, that obscures mm. things or whatever. Some people object because some because there's an argument that suddenly you've got random events getting into your warships, but hey that's half the fun. Can you adapt to this kind of random stuff going off in the middle of a battle? I'm not sure I'd want it in serious competitive, though. So if we're going to have stuff like that, I hope they put a toggle option in the training room. Can you imagine the f the blow-up if in the grand final of King of the Sea it comes down to whether or not the volcano erupts? Dear God. That, that would be... That would be a Charlie Fox drop for the ages. Uh, but yeah, it's good to see the, a couple more of the older maps getting an overhaul. And the other nice implication, of course, is that maybe some of the map team are coming off subs and getting onto other stuff. Maybe. Yeah, because I mean, of... with the visual overhauls, they could also be slightly reworking it, as we've touched on. Maybe the channel gets changed <laughs> slightly, right? Because I mean, Wargaming used to rework maps that were not as popular, I guess, or that had certain problems. They've also yeah. not touched anything in a long time, so maybe they are going to rework a few maps and pretty them up while they do it. Well, I would hope so. And of course, the Philippines is getting a revamp as well. I think that is actually the old... Well, aside from Ocean, that is the oldest port in the game. It was certainly the one that I defaulted into when I first fired it up six years ago. 
So it's it's nice to see that getting a makeover. Hmm. See, I yeah, didn't they, they really have, remember that. They probably worked more on the various ports than they have on the maps in the last couple of years in terms <laughs> of making them look nicer. The, well, let's face it, when you're on the game map, you've got other things to do than admire the scenery. I suppose so. Um, so the port's looking good is actually kind of a worthwhile investment. But yeah, it, it's nice to see the Philippines getting an overhaul, because if you go and look at her in-game and compare to some of the really new stuff, I, you can see that you can see the difference that mm -hmm. six years has made. Mm. Right, and last but not least, PT 10.8 balance changes to the carriers. Yes. We, we need to have one of ominous thunder and lightning soundboard effects. Oh, so yeah. We've got... Well, it's not all good news. It's buffs to some of the German carriers. I don't yes. like... First off. Yeah, I don't understand why. Like, did the, uh, did the Richthofen dive bombers, like, really need a buff? That's how I understand it. Chance of hitting two bombs at once in her dispersion lips means, like, it's, it's more likely to get, like, more hits uh, where you're aiming, basically. Yeah. Pretty like, much. Which um, suggests they're going to be more likely to line up along the uh, the vertical axis. You do that anyway if you're in the German rest. carrier and you're making a bomb run, that's standard. Yeah, but doctrine. sometimes they, I mean, the actual bombs, the way they fall, they kind of... Yeah, and Zeppi and Lovenhardt are really vulnerable to this because they have circular drop yes. reticles. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever watched me playing Lovenhardt, but at some point I believe... You can pretty much guarantee if I'm in a Lovenheart game, I will be cursing the water-seeking bombs. <laughs> um, German technology is 100% reliable. It will always hit the water eventually. There may be a ship in the way first. <laughs> so Zeppi getting that, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and if Lovenheart wasn't ludicrously overperforming, according to Spreadsheet, I suspect she'd have got it as well. Much Why would you screen. buff Richthofen? That's what gets me. Parseval and Richthofen getting the same buff. Um, I mean, okay. they probably haven't citadelling anti-air cruisers enough. They're like, oh, look, we, we only took half the health of a Des Moines with one drop that is changed or something. Maybe, maybe. I know they say you're just increasing the chance. So there's still a chance you're only going to get one bomb in the inner ellipse. But... I, mean, I agree. That is definitely yeah. a buff against cruisers in particular, but some of the narrower battleships as well. Particularly the battleships with voids protecting their citadels either side. Because you, as well as hitting water with the germ bombs, you can frustratingly often put the bomb into the ship, but miss the citadel. So, again, we'll see how that plays. I have to admit, though, Rechtofen and Parseval are not carries that ever struck me as underperforming. So, mm. add me to the wait what list for that <laughs> change. Uh, Roosevelt, oh boy, well, I, I can hear these screams and the, the pitchforks being sharpened just at the mention of the name. Um, 
torpedo arming distance is up by 30 meters, so you're going to have to drop further out. Yeah, 30 meters is basically nothing. Yeah. Uh, it, it, this, is, this, is, I, this is definitely not any kind of sledgehammer change. This is no. more a couple of percentage points. The arming distance is definitely not. The torpedo spread width. I saw well, like the... images, but yeah, me too. I want to see those images with a battleship or a cruiser target in the reticle for reference. Mm. Because that 5% could be the difference between what is currently an 8 of 8 hit turning into a 6 of 8. Also, you need to see it with the torpedoes dropped, right? Because the interesting part is how much more the torpedoes spread out. Well, I'm assuming it's 5% increase on each mini cone for each torpedo. Yeah, but so... you, when you actually see the torpedoes that now travel a little bit further too, so they are a little bit wider, mm. like it, you need to see like, I feel like a full drop against the battleship for reference. And there is also the question of, Run, run time and response time. If a destroyer is already turning hard into you, that extra 5%, that extra 30 meters could very well be the difference between torpedo beating and boop. Although so, I, I don't think it will make a huge difference, but it will in, in niche cases. I feel, I feel like yeah, this is more of a niche case. Enough. Against the targets... I normally dump torps against when I'm in the FDR. It's not going to be a huge thing. Like I said, it's going to be the difference between an 8 of 8 spread and maybe a 6 or a 7 shot. If I catch a Kerfus broadside, for example. Uh, the bomb nerf, I... Yeah, okay, yes, that's, that's necessary. <laughs> no one's going to argue that. Uh, you know, yeah, those, they... those things are basically nukes. They nerf the yeah. penetration from 7... Uh, from... 67 to 64. Is there actually any armor in between those? Um, I cannot think of any external armor between those points, but there may be some battleship deckings I haven't thought of offhand that could resist it. Uh, the thing is, HE explodes on contact, so it's not like it's going to blast through into a citadel. I don't think offhand that's going to make a difference. I think that's simply yeah. them adjusting the penetration in line with the high explosive change and the damage change for consistency. And in the same way that the fire change is being adjusted. Because those dual tend to go in lockstep with the base damage of the bomb. Um, uh, do, do, do. Alexander Nevsky again, 10% Citadel to 33% Citadel. I did not think that Nevsky was having a big problem with Citadel hits, but I don't get on with Russian cruisers, so that may just be me. I mean, the thing I mean, is, the Nevsky is unpopular because the Petra is just strong, but the Nevsky is yeah, bad. True. It, it, yeah. It's obviously, you know, it's not performing as well as, 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 as the Petra, and the Petra completely fine, so therefore we must buff the Nevsky rather than nerf the Petra. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those weird choices where you are like have a good ship and you're buffing a good ship just because there's an even better ship that's, you know, so the good ship isn't popular enough. And so I guess if you play a Russian cruiser, you just play the Petra. 
As everyone else gets leveled up at the same time, I'm absolutely fine with this because you're just establishing a new reference point in the meta. The problem is that when you buff the Petro and you buff the Nevsky, maybe a couple of the others as well, and then, well, what about everybody else? That's when it starts to get shaky. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to buff the uh, lesser performing chips, you need to start at the bottom, right? You don't just be like, okay, uh, the, 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 the third place cruiser, right? It's only the third place. We need to buff it, right? Mm. You start at the bottom. You start at like the 10th place cruiser, or however many cruisers there are, right? You don't just see like, yeah, okay, we have some ships there at the top that are not like equal. Let's, let's buff the one that's slightly more unpopular there. That, that's yeah, just I, bullshit. <laughs> I, um, I had I I must admit I had never exactly perceived Nevsky as being squishy, but someone clearly does. So yay, for once we actually had something warshipy to talk about. Woohoo! That's been of um short supply in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. Of of course now that back to the drama. Mean, now back to the drama, <laughs> yes. Oh god, what a week. I think, uh, I think this is going to be a month Wargaming wants to forget, in all honesty. Should we, should we start with uh, the Tory code? I think it happened, like, yeah, last weekend or something. That's a fairly... That's basically a done deal at this stage, unless yeah, something kind of doesn't last the whole thing. twist. Um, so, who wants to do the background? <laughs> so, Tory was... Um... Fairly popular, like I think, kind of on a on a par with Flamu in terms of of the RU user base. I and, heard him described as the Russian Flamu a few times. So yeah, yeah um, which might also be his, you know, presentational style as well. <laughs> and um, he was he was basically booted out not that long before the whole. Uh, thing kicked off on the, the English language side with Little White Mouse quitting and, and kind of dating everything. And the rest of us, yes. Yeah. Um, and I, it was something, was it an NDA breach? It was something along those lines. I've but heard two different stories. One is that... that they were not very happy with him anyway, and it was kind of like a good excuse to let him go. I, I've heard different var variations of this. I've heard one version that says he broke NDA and gave them an excuse. I've heard another version saying that he published a video where he datamined the staff accounts for the St. Petersburg office and discovered that, in total, those accounts had played all of 300 games in 2020. So, okay. hence the joke of, oh, wait, the devs really don't play their own game, which I think is spurious because, well, I don't know about you guys, but if I was working for Wargaming, I'd have a Wargaming account, I'd have a personal account, yeah. I'd make sure there was absolutely no damn way of linking the two, so that when I was off the so my on-the-job account, mm -hmm. yeah, sure, maybe I'll only play 300 on that if I'm testing or just firing up a quick burst in lunch. But when I'm off the job, I'll be on my personal account, and that might be why this supposed 300 battle total is actually ludicrously inaccurate. Yeah, that, Either way, that, they booted him. Yeah, that doesn't sound like the most convincing reason, but who knows? 
I mean, um, the suspicious so thing is, of course, if if somebody comes in the queue system of not playing their game and their reaction is like, screw you, you're booted, that makes the story much more believable. Other, uh, because they could have just gone out and like, look, this is not how it works because we have these other accounts. And, you know, like if you have a reasonable defense, why not bring? But then again, a lot of this like happened in, in obviously... In on the Russian server, and the Russian forums, and so on, and none of us, I think, speaks Russian. Yeah, we're, so. we're kind of getting all this. Well, we we don't know how Tari phrased it. We don't know how yeah. he presented it. And, of course, there is the cultural thing. Um, and I think we're going to come back to this idea of the Russian culture stereotype of being, if you admit even the slightest thing, it is you are showing weakness, you're opening yourself up to get pounced on and taken down. So if you are questioned, um, gulag, gone, unpersoned, <laughs> removed, finished. Um, which does seem to have been their response to Tari. Because, okay, they booted him. And then, of course, in the Russian community stream that week, things got spicy. Yeah, we, we had a code that could not possibly have come up as a coincidence. Like, mathematically, the odds of it were... 84 billion to one yeah. against for the last seven characters. I know, I'm the guy who was sad enough to yes. sit down and actually do <laughs> the math I, I, on I, just I, how unlikely this was. I wasn't, I wasn't going to point out how, you know, nerdy it was, but it was kind of... Oh, that's <laughs> right. I, when somebody then went on and pointed out that the first half of the code also had the secret message in it, yeah, so basically, could be interpreted yeah. as such, yeah. um, the odds ended up as 221 sextillion to one against. So basically, the whole thing can be read as, like, we axe you, bleep you, Turry. Yes. And the, this kind of rumbled around for a few days, and then yeah. Wargaming actually did an actual proper actual apology, and not oh, the yeah. non-apology that everyone else got. Yes. Mostly because I thought because they had been caught so bang to rights. It, yeah, the and... fact is so petty. <laughs> yes, yes. And I don't think it hurt that I know at least a couple of the CCs who are still in the program, still have lines to Wargaming, also had a copy of my maths. So if Wargaming were thinking about claiming that it was really just an unfortunate coincidence, the point may have been quietly made that, you know, yeah, we know just then. how unlikely it was. We've done the math. We can tell you just how unlikely a coincidence it was. Would you like to try this? So, yeah, we got the solo rogue employee story instead. Yes, who has seemingly been dismissed as far as... Suspended. Well, suspended, suspended, not dismissed. Although they then put this weird phrase in of, um, what was it, every available measure or something like that? And most stringent measures have been taken against him. But, uh, I mean, this is a translation. Yeah. I, obviously, um, none of us know the, the original Russian message, but the translation here reads, the most stringent message have been taken against you. But once again, like, I, they don't say who it is, and they don't say exactly what they do. I mean, they say suspended. For all we know, that's a vacation of work that's fully paid. Because Wargaming just isn't really all that trustworthy these days. In Why do you think I sat down and worked out just how unlikely a coincidence that code was? Um, I did also follow I, up with a kind of apology code 
indie. Uh, well, that wasn't kind of. It was. Well, we yes, are it sorry. Was. Tari, no, sorry. It was Tari. We are sorry. And then they sent it global, despite the offending code only being Russian. Didn't stop Kotaku and PC Gamer getting hold of the story and loving it, though. Uh, but, I mean, to my mind, there are a couple of things that linger, sort of, from this story. So the first one, obviously, is the question of culture. If we accept the solo rogue employee story, then, one, it was somebody high enough in the company that they were able to implement this without anyone either being able to check their work, noticing something was wrong with the work, or noticing that something was wrong and lacking either the authority or the nerve to say, are you sure you should be doing this? Because it just sails straight through. So to me, that implies somebody in mid or senior management did yeah, I, that code. Somebody who could skip over the oversight, basically. Or who I, the oversight I just mean, cannot touch. Yeah. I don't know, like, they, they do tr pretty frequent bonus codes. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the community team or so themselves, they have just a tool where they can set up a bonus code or something. I'm um, not sure how think, many levels of approval this needs. I think they have to budget for it, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, Com I believe Conway used to have, have, have a... Uh, words. I think Conway used to have a habit of misspelling some of his bonus codes. But he, Possibly. if he did, he kicked that years ago. Um, as I the, say, the, the, the one thing is the culture, that somebody yeah. thought that they could do that, thought that it wouldn't come back, presumably. Unless somebody was trying to commit career suicide. Yeah, yeah I don't giggles. know. I, it's kind of hard to think someone was sitting there thinking, ha, 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 they'll never spot this. It's so sneaky and hidden. Yeah. <laughs> And that, that just does not wash. So if we accept the solo rogue employee or the solo got carried away employee, I think is a better term for it, it raises some rather awkward questions about what, what Wargaming St. Petersburg in particular think of criticism and dissent. Yeah, or I mean, that's the, the first time we've gone there. Yeah, mm. I, I mean, I think the concerning part is that whoever did this probably was fully aware that this would be caught, right? If you make a public bonus right. code, you have to be aware that people notice it. So this person, and this is not something that you do like out of, um, and in, in the moment thing, right? Because you have to actually think up the code, you have to sit down, you have to enter it in whatever the system is and get the code made, right? So it's not something and, that, like, you blurt out, right? So somebody I... sat down, thought about this code, made this code, and was aware it would get caught, and did think that he would get punished for it. That tells you about how the office is run, right? Well, I say we, we don't know who did it. And I'm honestly not surprised that we're not being told, because, well, I'm sure you're both familiar with things, praise in public, rebuke in private. Companies generally sort out... Unless somebody does something that basically drops the company in court and their name cannot be kept out of the press. It Generally, if it's an internal employee like that, it's generally kept quiet and done behind the scenes in most Western companies as well. So I'm not surprised, honestly, that they're doing it internally at all. The problem is just that we can't, like, see what's happening, and they have been so untrustworthy that we don't... They say that person is getting punished, but mm. we don't know, right? 
But the yeah. thought remains that the work environment that they have must be in such a way that that person felt like uh, he would get away with it. He'd be like, okay, yeah, my boss is certainly cool. Like, you don't do this if you think you're actually getting suspended for it, right? You only do this yeah. when you are convinced that this is fine. This means that yeah. the, the, whatever, uh, this person have or whatever people is working under gave him the impression with the general behavior that doing something like this that using your official Twitch channel creating a bonus code to publicly threaten and uh, insult somebody is perfectly fine yeah they either thought that they wouldn't be caught or that the powers that be would approve neither of those says a great thing about the internal cultural and the oversight mechanisms of wargaming St. Petersburg. And again, we come back to this whole thing of culture and tone deafness and just how much of a, how much St. P is listening to the regional officers, to the CCs, to the player base, etc., etc. And let's face it, that has been a running theme, particularly for the last two and a half weeks now, if not longer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean uh, timing for them is not particularly good considering it's happening at the same time as, like, there's a lot of stuff hitting the fan all at once as far as they're concerned. So. <laughs> yes, I, I suspect uh, they're going to be hoping that September, September is quieter and everyone just forgets August ever happened. Yeah. Which, of course, if they do, pretty much guarantees it's going to go bang again at some point in the future. But hey, that's their lookout, not ours. So let's see. Tari blew up, and then of course the Missouri. whole Gamblegate yeah, saga kind of, is rumbling on. We're kind of back to the Missouri again. Yeah. So this really got going two, three days ago with Flamu's leak. Yes, and I think he said the pictures have been data mined from from the website also. Yes. And of course, we, we have no way of verifying that. Well, that was a claim on his Discord, and as yes. you say, we've got no way of verifying it, but it's not implausible that somebody would have popped the assets up a few days ahead to make sure everything was in, everything was ready to go, and they could just flip the switch to activate it. Uh, I doubt Wargaming will do that again on a big deal like this, because, hey, they've gotten burned. But Shonai, within an hour or so of this leaking, was making the very insistent statement that these documents were incorrect. Yes. Not fake. Incorrect. Now, that might be, again, Shonai's got English as a second language. I believe he's primarily a Russian speaker. And he might have been just being very, very precise, because let's face it, they got burned by a translation error, so be absolutely specific with your wording, lessons learned. But what we get 24 hours ago, basically, less, is the same images, just with some yes. very tweaked numbers. Very, very tweaked numbers, I might add. That's, this begs the question, was like, was the first one edited? Somebody took the actual picture and changed the number themselves? Or did Wargaming have maybe two versions? Originally, maybe they planned uh, to have more bundles, but with all the backlash, they've decided, you know, to mm. reduce it. And maybe they 
they uploaded their own graphics or did they make last minute yeah. changes? There are a lot of questions uh, how this I, came to be. I have also seen the, I guess we could call it conspiracy theory, that the leak was deliberate in order the, to make the, the actual numbers not look so bad. It would not be the first time somebody has deliberately tried that and, as you say, deliberately leaked something to soften the blow for later. Um, That being said, I am not sold because the original leak said 75 stages, 1,500 doubloons. Bear in mind we had the Johan de Witt with 72 stages at 1,000 doubloons. It was in the right kind of ballpark for Wargaming's recent behavior with regard to this kind of gambling. Now, again, you can turn that around. Is that evidence that this was an early draft, maybe something they did plan to go live before it all exploded, and they did a very fast rework and scaled it back? Or was it just shrapnel from an earlier version that was discarded weeks ago, but somehow the imagery got onto the server and was found in a data mine. Um, Well, somebody could have just, like, photoshopped in the uh, the different numbers for the rates. And you just said, okay, take the Johan de Witt numbers and scale them up a bit to make it look like a plausible fake. Uh, We'll never know. I mean, we have no way of telling the difference, but... Uh, There's been a fair bit of math on this one as well. Um, Yeah, there's several several bits to to break down. So we know now the actual structure of the thing, which isn't really much better than than anyone thought it would be. I mean, it could have been considerably worse. Well, the structure is the same. It's the scale that's changed. Yes. Oh, well, yes, yes, that's that's what I mean. Um, Words words are hard, you guys. Um, Yeah, uh, so that that's really not, I guess, any surprise. And then when you get down to the actual breakdown, which you, among others, have been kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of, and of course, April White Mouse as well, and TC Freer, uh, I've all been kind of comparing numbers um, yep. and looking at possible percentages, which, of course, a lot of, of that is still kind of a bit mysterious. We also have to talk about earnings as well, but we'll do that afterwards. Yeah, as far as percentages go, I'm in the middle of trying to get data just in an effort, probably a doomed effort, to try to reverse engineer that and see if we can't get an idea of what the probabilities might look like. But I suspect whatever data I get is going to be so spotty and open to question that we won't get meaningful insight. But hey, you don't know, give it a try, see what happens. Yeah, we also have the the unfortunate thing of, well, it requires people to actually go and by the thing, oh, yeah. which, is, which we're telling them not to do. Yet. Yeah, we kind of don't really encourage that necessarily. Um, but some um, people are going well, to do As I said in my post where I was calling for the data, don't do this if you weren't going to. But hey, if you're going to do it anyway, send me the info because yeah. it might come in handy. The big problem we've got, of course, is that 90% of the player base and therefore presumably 90% of the purchaser base never interacts on the boards, never gets into community discords, never gets on the socials. They just log in play, yep. spend a bit of money, log out again. So all of that data is just gone. Whenever you're going to get a sniff it. And there is also the problem of over and under reporting. So the dramatic results, like, hey, I got on the first roll. Wait, what do you mean I had to roll 41 times? Those get reported. 
because people yeah. are either enthusiastic or they're mad. You can guess which way around those go. But the eh ones don't get really mentioned. Mm. And the other thing that I haven't figured out how to incorporate into the model are the people who say limit themselves to 10 roles, don't get oh, yeah. a mo, and just walk away, do the smart thing. So having the press accounts was actually kind of useful for stuff like this. Even yeah, though it's not that but the problem a sample is, size. The problem is that we don't know if the press accounts had a finger on the scales. Well, that's also true. <laughs> yeah. Surprised. We're we're working from a position of moderate paranoia about what we're here. <laughs> yeah. I mean the the thing is, right? So when you look at a scheme like this, your first thought would be like every bundle has the same chance of dropping. You say you get randomly one of forty one. But they never actually specify that. And they only ever specify something mm -hmm. like that, maybe mention it on a stream or something else, and they're like, Oh no, yeah, everything has the same chance, but they refuse to put it inwards on the page where it matters, right? Where they would be legally yes. liable. And that's just a bit suspicious because if they actually, if every bundle has the same chance of dropping, then why isn't there, why isn't it specifically stated? Because it would just like be so easy, right? Yes, and I spent about an hour last night cludging together a formula that tried to model that situation, which is where the call for data then uh, develops from. So it's not going to be reliable. It's no more than a preliminary sketch, but we might get an idea if somebody has stuck a finger on the dice. Uh, is the bear in any way indicative of the gimmick the French TVs will have? We do not know, Tapru, is the answer to that one. Um, we are completely out of the loop these days. I am honestly surprised the bear is a premium. I thought she was going to be the tier four tech tree, but hey, I was wrong about that. And yes, Wargaming do, Wargaming yet again seem to have gone for a fad in their designs. We're now, we've had a run of gunboat destroyers, now having a run of carriers with skip bombs. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have noticed that the designers tend to do yeah. this. They get some new tech or weapon and we, we get a couple of, we did, yes, we did, yeah. yes, but it's worth mentioning again. <laughs> so yeah, getting vaguely back on topic to the Missouri. Um, 41,000, no, sorry, not 41 what stages, 60, I want to say 61,500 doubloons total. Yes, yes, I'm doing my maths right there. Um, so I think it worked out as about a hundred and, I want to say 170 quid offhand. It was, so I actually, think, about $300 if you buy all bundles, I think, or 310 or something. And then uh, yeah, on, on I, average, you pay like $155 or so, I think, for, for Missouri. If the, so, if the odds are even, which is what if, we're not sure of. If assuming the odds are fair, which is questionable, right? But your best case scenario basically is that on average, you pay a 50% 50, 50 more than if you buy it straight in the shop. So your yeah. best case scenario is that on average, but you know, as people should, as always should be pointed out, an average means that uh, only 50% of the people will get it at that price or lower, right? 50% will mm -hmm. pay more than the average. And 50% will pay less. 
Um, in theory, of course, we don't know exactly what the curve looks like. But... As we pointed out in previous weeks, you know, this this whole doing it this way, this calculation has always been, you know, it's always based on, it's always got the bottom line of Wargaming thinks this way will make them more money than just selling the thing. To borrow the phrase, the house always wins. Yes. Um, we're basically trying to work out just how much the house is going to win by in most cases, and therefore how much we as consumers are going to lose by. Because so, the other complaint is that this kind of scheme is anti-consumer. I mean, well, yes. yeah, it Very obfuscates how much you're paying. It induces you to pay more than you would if you were fully informed. And that's when you know the odds. I mean, Wargaming, as we noted, have, a, have this habit of only publishing odds when somebody forces them to. Which, so, I mean, I don't want to say to be fair, to. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but that's most free-to-play games. They, they tend to anything most, least kind of random drops. They, most, they don't like telling you the numbers. Most, most gutch, I will give it for most gutchers, they will tell you the odds. The odds will be awful, but they will at least tell you what they are. Um, but as you say, uh, a lot of the way gambling has crept into Western video gaming over the last mm. mm-hmm. three, four, five years. Yeah, they're, they're not so keen on telling you the odds. And honestly, I never thought I'd say this, but yay, Microsoft and Sony doing the ethical thing and making sure their customers are fully informed before they roll the dice. Microsoft, ethical excuse me. I'm just off to wash my mouth out with soap. <laughs> So uh, two, two oh, things that Takro here mentioned there, right? Uh, can you mention this loot box or the option to disable the extra confirmation? That, that's something that I think has been around for a while. If you have, like, bundles where you can buy a lot, you can turn off the notifications because they tend, they mm. expect, they don't want to, like, inconvenience the whales too much. Somebody who just wants to buy all bundles, they, mm, they yes, are going but... to allow them to do that quicker. Uh, yes, the other in, thing... Enabling the gambling like that. As Jingles would probably point out, and as Taku was saying, it's insidious. It just, yeah. it just makes it easy. It just makes it so simple to not think about the odds, not think about how much you're actually spending. Just yank you your balance down a little at a time. Nickel and dime you, to borrow the American phrase. And that- yes, it's very noticeable that, again, wargaming, well, they're a business. They want it to be easy for you to spend money. But perhaps... They're going too far here, making it easy to spend when really you should be thinking about what you're doing and why. I think they have gone too far a long time ago. Yes. But another yeah. thing that Takru said is, uh, the thing about the loot box is if you're well, you have spent a lot of money on the game already and you can basically not lose out on buying them since you get the blooms back. I assume you mean that if, like, you get those premium crates, right? So you get some premiums and I presume you get the bloom compensation, although you can't be sure these days. If, if you already you have, have I need I can break in here. If you already have all of the ships in the box, you will get the appropriate doubloons back. Now the tier two to four uh, box, that will not happen at all, because there is a ship in there, the Almirantia Bru at tier two, which nobody but nobody has on their account. So you will get the Almirante. If you have everything else, because like I say, basically nobody has it. It's never been made widely available. Uh, they haven't done that with the five, six, seven, and eight boxes. But you'd have to have seriously wailed 
or been the CC for several years or similar, um, to have all those ships on your account. So, and yeah. I remember, didn't you? Didn't you do some math? I remember seeing on Discord, I think yesterday or so, somebody doing some math about what would be the best outcome to Bloon Vice if you had, if you got the. Yes. Mouse and I were both mathing this yeah. out from different perspectives. Mouse broke down the averages, and I was looking at the best and worst cases for value of ships. And if we, relative to buying the entire pack, um, and I think if I just check I, th my I think work. you you lost out. So basically, even if you get the most valued doubloon ship in every box, you're still losing money on it. About two thousand doubloons in the absolute best case. Yeah, Where but that's I already the it? best case, right? So this means that you basically, even if you weigh everything and you get the highest possible price that you can you still lose the blooms compared to if you'd purchased every ship there directly. So it's basically um, a gambling where you need, you you can't really win in that way. Almost, almost. I've, I've actually found my numbers. So the way it worked out when I did it was that if you got the most expensive ship in each box, so the Graf Zepp, the Duke of York, the Tex, the Weavy, the Texas, the Ishizuchi, then you ended up plus the mo at fifty nine thousand one hundred and fifty doubloons, and you would have spent sixty one thousand five hundred doubloons. So you're nominally down about two thousand doubloons, but dragon signals, camos, uh, and your spare tokens left over would arguably push you over. If you got lucky and you bought just enough tokens plus the campaign to get you all the boxes, and then you lucked out and got the mo, you would actually be ahead of the game, but you wouldn't have had a chance to pick what ships you wanted. At the other end of the scale, if you got unlucky, and you drew the Loyang, the Buiscovicha, the Anshan, the Ahotnik, and the Tachibana, then you ended up with an overall ship value of only 41,150 doubloons, so you were basically down 20,000 doubloons before you started factoring up in other stuff. So you can get into the weeds on calculations, particularly with the dragon signals, because if you do silver conversions, you have a nominal 24,000 worth, doubloons worth of signals there in that gamble sequence. The, the Although thing you can't get dragons signals for doubloons, so it's purely nominal value. Yeah, um, I feel like that's the problem with flags, that flags often yes. like others aren't really that high value. They technically have a value attached to make it sound like you get what's your money worth, but it's not yep. really your money's worth because the flags are just artificially priced at a point to make you think you profit. Well, everything in this is artificially priced at a point. I mean, sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you can get into the weeds on the value calculations there. Suffice to say that the house always wins. And yes. I'm quite certain Wargaming have mathed this out far more thoroughly than Mouse or I have, or TC has. And they are calculating that this will put them significantly ahead of what they would get for selling the whole kit and caboodle, without question. 
So in that respect, the logical conclusion for us is not to buy in. Unless, well, pop the first box, have a look at it. If you get the Mo and you want her, great, congrats. But I would not drop any actual doubloons otherwise. Yeah. Don't buy is the best. It's the only way to win is not to play. Exactly. <laughs> Unless you get handed the jackpot straight out the door. Yeah, I mean, you see what's in the first bundle, if that's the most sure. But if, if it's not, then just don't. Basically. Mm. And also yes, what I'd like to point out, that the whole campaign thing is, I'm not sure why, but it's on the website, so you'll have to bring up the, the website. And it's, it's, somewhere it's just, campaigns. again, obfuscate it, make it more difficult, more likely for people to overlook. I don't understand... Okay, they're tech-testing branching campaigns and some other stuff, clearly. But at the same time, I don't get why they can't do that in the client, because the client's campaign interface and the armor and a few things, I believe they are already web pages being handled by an in-game browser. So, yeah. Presumably I'm missing something. I don't really think there's a technical reason. I, I don't buy that. Oh, there's no technical yeah. reason for them not to be able to stick the Missouri in the armory. We were able to demonstrate pretty clearly how yeah. you could do it with existing systems in World of Warships. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only technical limitation there is that they don't want to. Admittedly, that is a pretty severe technical limitation, but... <laughs> um, it's more of a technicality, though, than a technical limitation. <laughs> Details. Close, close enough word, close enough word, right? Exactly. But yeah, if you want to participate in this campaign, you have to go to the web page and then you have to click like on the stage and then you have you have mission received and then you have to click that you want the mission and you have to do this every two days. There is going to be a new step and you have to go back to the website and you have to yeah, and then you have to click start and you get the in-game missions. And the sad part is they have this sort of campaign system already in game that I haven't used in what two three years. Yes, something last, like they, the they've done a few short duration ones. Gregor, yeah. Gregor was the. Oh, well, yeah, they've had limited ones. I think the last permanent one was the Epox of the Navy one. Yes. To what, what's been more recent than that? Um, the Pan EU, uh, Resolute and Rapid, I think it was. Ah. Is it? The, po the Polish one, for want of a better term, although it was really more of a Pan EU one at the time. Got you, Gregor. I'm pretty yeah. sure yeah, but that, that has been a while campaign. ago. Yeah, oh yeah, it's been a while since they used the campaign. If it's, and as I say, I'm puzzled as to why. Then again, does the that campaign interface doesn't really support? Well, it supports okay. time gating. We've seen them do that. Uh, Safari had says time... he was able to do the web campaign in the client through the Amory. So okay, there is a way to open it. Okay. But that's a pretty that's a pretty like sneaky way to hide it, right? And why yes. not use the campaign interface they already have in there, where you can like, I I don't know, like it's they they have so many systems in place that they could use, and they just implement new ones that are even more awkward or weirder to use for no reason. It feels like one. Like, there's, there's no way they can't argue that it's not purposeful. I mean, they can try to, but they'll look silly doing it. Yeah, I yeah. suspect that they're trying to do some things that the in-game campaign interface possibly can't do. So we've never seen it do branching campaigns, for example, and I believe that's a feature they're experimenting with in this web interface. I think I'm just doing the right way here. That way? 
Maybe we'll find out in a second. So that you can pick which missions you want in this version. And you can't... Well, you can do that in the existing campaigns, but you can't have it where you go, okay, if you go for this set of missions, this set of missions gets locked out. But you don't really like, you just click here and you click the mission received and then in the stage two you click me. I'm not sure. Can you ch- actually ch- uh, choose anything here in this web campaign? I believe there are two, there's a two split in the first phase. Um, it's either, I think it's either you end up going the cargo route or you end up going the Dutch East Indies route. Um but I am a bit hazy on how that works. I, I think they're trying to test something new there, but it ends up looking like they're just not using a system that they've got that almost does the same job for them. So, hey, why, why are you guys reinventing the wheel? Um, so, yeah. Uh... yeah. It's in many ways, I feel like just needlessly complicated. Mm. And it also f- is, is a weird because obviously they lock the Missouri behind a campaign that a lot of people probably won't even be aware of, especially those, like it's something for those who are active and follow the news. They, they, people that want to engage, they get the campaign yeah. to do so. And all of those people who don't pay much attention and just play the game, they will not notice and they will not get the free stuff. So Bogaming has basically found a way. To make it look like they provide something for the community while denying it the huge part of the community because they make it so obscure that a lot of people won't just be aware of it. It just yes, feels like course. another scam. And of course, the gambling option is nice, easy, front and center. Um, that said, credit where it's due, they did back off one particularly disgusting uh, sales technique with the revised uh, gambling thing. Uh, if you go back to the gamble page, it's currently 500 tokens per box that you open. It oh, used, yeah. to be four, used to be 450. And it got noted very, very quickly that absolutely none of the ship box prices divided cleanly by 450. Oh, yeah. You'd always have just a bit too many or a few too little for that next box. And it's not, I don't think it's illegal. I haven't, I don't know consumer law that well, and uh, I wasn't bothered enough to go digging in to find out once they announced the changes. But yeah, apparently even Wargaming might have limits. Uh, but this there is are some this sales is... techniques so scummy even they won't pull them. But this is like <laughs> the general sales technique that I feel like a lot of games use, right? It's also like with the premium currency, like oftentimes they have a premium currency, right? And they yeah. will sell, they will always sell packages that don't quite correlate to the prices in the yeah. shop so that you have Same to pay trick. a little too much and then you have some, uh, some like premium currency left and then you're like, shit, what can I get for this? And then you, you have to, spend to it. then you have to buy even more to get the next thing and so mm. on. They just, uh, yeah, I think, I think EA got burned on this about the same time as surprise mechanics. I vaguely remember that one of the big studios got itself, basically this got noticed by the government and it was kind of, hmm, Pretty sure it you're was selling this to children. Yeah, they got hauled in front of a select committee, I believe, and that was they, why that they whole... Got, they got roasted over gambling. 
a couple yes, of years that whole back. Thing came from. And I'm pretty sure that the question of how much silver they were, so how many coins they were selling versus how many coins were being charged for stuff, and the fact that it did not divide cleanly was brought up as well. Um, as uh, Safari Hat points out, it's legal in the US, it's legal in Britain, it's legal pretty much everywhere. Um, you can charge what you like, you can sell what you like, but it's still seen as a scummy thing to do. Oh, definitely. So, uh, without any question, at least Wargaming backed off that. Um, for now. <laughs> for, for now, yes. Uh, I, I say, we, d we don't know how much of it was something they'd already decided to change and how much of it was a frantic oath when, they, when the leak happened and they saw the reaction. And they realized how fast the value of their campaign and their boxes was going to get dissected. And, well, let's be honest here, shredded. And the remains <laughs> nailed up publicly for all to see. So... Small mercies, I think, is the best way to sum up the state of the Missouri right now. Yes. There is one bit of kind of good news, as I mentioned before, with the 20% credit multiplier. Yes. Oh, yeah. There's not Mouse a huge is... amount of results in terms of the, the data Mouse has gotten, but it's looking like that has done the trick. Yes. Um... The, the mouse... problem, of course, is you have to keep in mind, and we're talking about averages here, right? So the problem is that mm. the way Wargaming mm. seems to balance the Missouri is that for the ever, like the, they don't say that one player makes the same amount of credits than he did before, but that an average players make, right? So if you were one of those yes. people who always stacked flags on a Missouri, you are losing out on the credits, right? Less that's compensated because. Yeah, but it's compensated by people who don't use flags making a little bit more now. So, mm. and that's how Wargaming balances this thing. Wargaming looks like yes. it doesn't matter if a single person loses out or if those, those people that have flags lose out, as long as there are enough people who don't mount flags. It, it works on the spreadsheet, right? And they managed uh, probably to make it now work on the spreadsheet and that's good enough for Wargaming. That's breaking the promise, obviously. That still means they lied when they told us how they were treating the earnings of the Missouri. They never shock, actually right? said individuals would be okay. They only ever said it would be okay on the average. No, but they actually had the, the mouse had this example with the one million credit ah. where, where they stacked up and that's obviously not the case. So they explicitly no. lied because the mouse had a specific example and that's, you know. Oh yeah, and that's not case, working yes, like they, they, yeah, as you say, somewhere between you know, got their sums wrong and flat lied, depending on how you want to judge intent. But no, Mouse cussed the three of us in on some of her preliminary results. And it's looking like, as Jedi said, the 20% buff for up from 17 has pretty much covered the gap. On the average. There, there, there are a, well, when we say on average, in fact, let's just grab Mousy's, can you grab Mousy's graph plot without grabbing no anything else? It's a bit difficult because I can't move to a different Discord channel because we are ah, displayed right. on Discord. Oh, yes, yes, we are, aren't we? Oops. Um, um, give me a second. I can probably muck about with my camera. Um, let me pop my dis let me pop Discord for a second. 
So I need yeah, that. If you I like switch to this. screen share, you might be able to. Uh, give me a second. So I want to yeah, come here, copy that image. And then I want to paste the image in. I'm going to blink my camera off for a couple of seconds just to make this change. Oh, you could probably so, stick it as a thing in OBS as well. And, oh, that would save me a lot of mucking about. Um, so add image from clipboard. No, damn it. I need to actually have that saved locally. Save image. Mission. There we go. And tap in image to discard all changes. Browse that. Grab my downloaded image file. Snag that. Reset this and send the camera live again. Okay, so this should have done the <laughs> trick. This is where it turns into a hilarious statistical mess. Um, there we go. Right, so that scatterplot you can see is the early results. So the blue is the 10.6 data that Mouse had accumulated. The orange is the 10.7 data with the 20% buff factored in. And as you see, for the, for the main sequence, they're pretty well smushed together. So running... Uh, ah, my camera's in front of me. I'm and it's like base experience versus credit income plot, right? Pretty much, yes. So you can see here, the main sequence of orange is pretty well smooshed in. We've got a few higher enders here. We've got one outlier up here. Lord knows who had the monster 2950 XP game. It wasn't me. Um, interesting, we've got a few low enders down here as well on the blue. But this main sequence, this average, it is kind of working out. And you could almost argue that the orange is just got that fraction extra for a given base XP. So for the most part, I think Wall, the 20% buff has actually nailed it. But Mousy is still processing some of the data off that. So we have to be a little bit cautious still. She's got some more results she needs to run. I think yeah, we can I'm... still say in retrospect that this yeah. way of Doing it as a multiplier was probably not the best way they could have done it. They should have just done a clone and kept yeah. OG Missouri as she was. That would have saved themselves a ton of bother. Uh, but that's a whole other discussion. So let's see. We've done the STs. We've done the Missouri... I don't know if there's much more um, to uh, talk about yeah. topics-wise. I, I think it's, it's been a sl slowish week, I suppose. We've to discuss four ST dev blogs, a minor scandal, <laughs> a major event launch, and consider it to be a slow week. Well, they were short. You know we've blogs, had so. a crazy month. <laughs> 
we have had there have been some uh, there continue to be a trickle of news articles but, but reporting about the whole thing uh i think one or two places picked up the tori code thing as well Yes, Kotaku and PC Gamer got their hands on that yeah. one. Um, of course, Jim Stephanie Sterling got in on the acts at the beginning yes. of the week. Yeah, and there was also a couple of... mention on Angry Joe's. Uh, Although I got the impression news. Angry, I got the impression Angry Joe had only skimmed over it. Yes, I there is some details missing. A lot of them um, have focused very much on the Missouri and the loot boxes, and have. Barely, if at all, mentioned the the rest of the issues. Which, to be fair, is the war gaming's tendency to be war gambling is is the big long term problem. That is what they've got to address, even if yeah. it's changing. I was going to say changing the culture at the St. Petersburg office. But let's be candid here. That's going to mean changing the management at the St. Petersburg office, because that's where this direction has come from over the last couple yeah. of years, isn't it? It's it's definitely not surprising that the the the, the Jim Sterling video and um, like that that's very much a topic that they are uh, that they, they've covered. It, for it's right up there. Yes, I'm I'm not surprised that that was the focus there. But it might have been nice to see some of the other gaming places kind of have a slightly more complete view. Let. Let's face it, I don't think any of us except Jingles and Mouse were really going to get probably not filling no. on the stage there. <laughs> Jingles is pretty much the biggest wow well is, was, is, not sure. The biggest wow's YouTuber going. And well, Mouse was centre stage thanks to Wargaming taking aim at her and starting this whole debacle off in the first place. So yeah. It's definitely, I think she's one of those people that's like really well known inside the community, but outside of the community, like that people look at viewer numbers and whatnot instead of. And that I think is why a lot of them went for jingles instead. Yes. Plus, as Stephanie Jim pointed out, um, the mighty jingles. It, it yeah. Off the tongue, <laughs> yeah, they did. They did have a good time saying that. <laughs> yes, but, they did. But they, they also mentioned mouse, right? Um, I, I don't, don't remember if they did. I think they, they did. Yeah, 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 they, 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 they also passing. said that Little White Mouse was oh, also yes, fun yeah, to pronounce. Yes. 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 And, that's oh, fun. yes, and of course, um, World of Tanks, as if Crew 2.0 Wars wasn't causing enough oh, trouble. yes. They've that's got been... their first Tier 9 premium. Is it the Sabaton? I, I, I thought Crew 2.0 had been kind of abandoned, but no, it's kind of just No, been it, it's still going. It's owned, but still being worked on. It, 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 I think it's turning into their equivalent of the Naval Training Center. I don't, I don't um, think even think you, that. I think it's, I think it's Rubicon all over again. <laughs> you, you might, you might beat it down in its current form, but it will only come back yeah. in a different, even body strong. in a times stronger. Yes. Ugh. So, uh, oh, Jim Steph is apparently streaming, actually, although I doubt he's mentioning us. They, um, the thing that they've been doing that, that you can now do with, with your tanks over tier five, I think it was written mm -hmm. as tier six and above, where if you play them enough to kind of get the, I can't remember what it's called, but like the, the, we'll just call it prestige levels for sake of people know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Which, 
it's not necessarily a straight buff as the Naval Training Center was going to be, but you can apply some reasonably significant buffs to your vehicles, but also at the cost that... of some sort of um, balancing nerfs at the same time as well. So you can tune your vehicles in, in certain ways. More balanced way than the Naval Training Center, but still... True, true. And in fact, it's closer to what the research bureaus and the legendary upgrades... Yeah, it's, it's definitely do. more like the legendary upgrades. Um, to... That, if I remember, was what, was what was getting the serious competitive scene in World of Tanks so riled, wasn't it? The fact that they were figuring, we're going to have to max out here to stay competitive. Hmm. And we're going to have to spend, wait, how much? In order to do it. Um, numbers in the hundreds of dollars were being chucked around fairly freely. I, th I, I think we're going to have to propose what, what we're going to have to call the star citizen limit. When what, your <laughs> in-game purchases start hitting the price levels of star citizen ships, you have gone too far. Give four, give four ships a year and don't manage. I mean... I'm sure um, there's so many companies since Star Citizen came out looking at the, their prices they get away with and think, damn, I wish we could, we could charge that much. Some of them are trying it. I mean, World <laughs> of Warships is not cheap anymore. Yeah. They, those are, they may be very pretty pixels. We've all joked the art team carries this game from time to time, but they are getting expensive. Um, again, well, this whole Missouri thing. I mean, 30,000 doubloons is going to run you, what, 75 quid? Um, I think about $150 or so. Yeah. Uh, again, Mousy did this in Canadian dollars. I did it in pounds sterling. Um, so where did she put it? I mean, I think it came to the fact yeah, that you pay about 50% more than like a direct purchase. Than you would, yes. On average. Um, Mouse points out the nominal price for a tier 9 premium is basically 100 Canadian dollars, and the max out on the Missouri was $310. The average, assuming even odds, was $160. So, yeah. Yeah, um, the house is the house is winning very, very hard right now, and I think yeah. it might come back to haunt them. Um, I think about the only other thing. Well, the community streams this week, understandably, if you take the view that they are being told what not to rock the boat until St. Petersburg puts stuff out, and then just take the party line were pretty bland, although the American one this week came in for some flack, didn't it? I haven't watched yeah. the, the, like, the Evan stream, but the, the thing that I can say is whenever Wargaming claims that they are reaching out to contributors that have left, that's a lie, because we guys are in contact. And no, they, no, they really have comparing <laughs> notes. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's sensible that nobody reaches out to small guys like us. But even like the big contributors, nobody has reached out to them. When Wargaming claims that they are trying things or that they are reaching out to people, it's it's all bullshit. Well, I I think they've, in fairness, I think they have tried reaching out to Mouse a couple of times, but they've managed to mess it up each time somehow. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, hmm. Reaching oh, out is not that... really like offering up a sacrificial lamb. <laughs> how how Earl's... to uh, war gaming? I I think I think Earl taunted them with the idea that other gaming companies were looking at how they were handling this as a case study of what not to do. So I I don't know. I mean, it could end up that way, couldn't it? But we'll see how the Missouri plays out, and then I suspect the heat will probably start to go out of it until the next big gamble fest comes along. Which yeah. will be next month, because that's when they start to run into the Soviet carriers. And we all know how popular carriers are. Hey, SGL. Welcome, welcome. I think at the end of the, the, end of the day, for any serious change to happen, it'll have to come from Cyprus, Cyprus. basically. Yeah. They'll have to yeah. either lay a smackdown or make management changes at St. Petersburg. What's the difference at, that, at this point? Mm. Um, given how the current culture seems to be in St. Petersburg, and that is presumably coming from the management there, you can't change one without changing the other. Now let's see what else. Uh, going back to Screw 2.0, apparently Quickie Baby mathed it out. I, I had numbers of $1,800, but his calculation was you would get a crew that was at least 15% better than the normal uh, crew, than the normal unpaid player could reasonably hope to expect. Um, SJR, Cyprus is corporate HQ for Wargaming. Uh, Victor Kisley, Wargaming's owner and CEO, basically, as I understand, splits his time between London and Nicosia in Cyprus. But all the finances and the corporate head office are down there. They're not in uh, Belarus anymore. So, yeah. But, so, yeah, the, the company had, I think, like, Wargaming itself is in Cyprus. And uh, Leicester, what used to be Leicester Studios and was, was, what was bought by Wargaming and is now developing World of Warships is, I think, in St. Petersburg, right? So World of Warships sits in yeah. St. Petersburg, used to be Leicester Studios, is now part of Wargaming. Uh, and... Yeah, and similarly, their European office, well, mainly EU offices in Prague... The American office was in California. It's now there in Austin, Texas. And they've got, they've got something like five and a half thousand people, and I think about two dozen different sites scattered around. So, but it all gets controlled and it all answers to Cyprus. Should have been renamed to Lestat Studios. Um, so you, <laughs> can, you may give interviews if you wish, but uh, I, that moves a little on the old side now. Not that you could tell looking at Keanu, but that's another debate entirely. I'm presenting it is interesting to, like, Wargaming is, they are a fairly successful company, but at the end yeah. of the day, warships and especially World of Tanks are pretty much their, their kind of continued lifeline because they have made other forays into uh, trying to published they have bought yep. other studios brought out other games they have published third party games but they've never really it's always been quite tentative and they haven't really had any great they've success never had anything that succeeded the way war well they've yeah. never had anything that succeeded yep. the way tanks has done and so, even warships is very much the junior partner to tanks yes 
I think tanks is probably still their main their main cash cow. Mm-hmm. Without so, question, there. Yeah, uh, SAR forty six. That allegation has circulated a lot recently, um, and as Atan points out, it comes back to an article that appeared in an extremely dodgy publication. No one has been able to independently third party verify via things like court documents or subpoenas or similar that wargaming are under investigation. And so, there is a very good Reddit thread if you're interested where somebody deep dives into how this article came to place and looked into a lot of the, the background. Yes. And it's it's very shady. So yeah. and there are multiple news articles, but everyone just copied the like there was one suspicious newspaper that newspaper that published the article and then there were five others that just copied the article and ran with it. Yeah, so and then you start and then you start okay. digging into who controls these uh, publications, and they all keep coming back to the same email address. So we're pretty sure somebody is doing a mix of fake news and astroturfing on that point at the moment. Um, as I say, every attempt to try to verify it independently through trustworthy sources, so court documents and similar, has drawn a complete blank. Um... No, there's there's not a lot else to say on that, and it's mildly annoying that that one blasted video does isn't going away. Uh, yeah, Master of Orion was their third-party publishing attempt. Uh, World of Warplanes is on life support. Didn't they uh, have like, a zombie game at this time? At this, didn't this, they have uh, like a card game that failed? Like yeah, uh, something generous. Pagan failed as well. There was the Total War game that failed. Yeah, Yeah, that that closed. Uh, They've got that shooter in the works. Uh, It used to be called Calibre, but they've gone quiet on that. You can buy uh, one of the War Game games through the launcher. I think that was a little experiment they did, but I've not Mm -hmm. seen too much publicity around that after it, it came out. World of Tanks, I think it was World of Tanks Generals, might have failed. But they've had, uh, yeah, they've bought a studio in Guildford. We don't know what they're doing. Um, as I say, Calibre is supposedly in development, although that is apparently not what it's called anymore. But I mean, basically, was... the only parts they've got that are in the black are World of Warships and World of Tanks. Maybe Warplanes. Is I mean, that, that shooter is something you could try at the like the last Gamescom that was what like two years ago, and there you could wow. you could try the shooter because I've played it with Flambas and a few others. Mm-hmm. Wasn't especially the way, it's, you know. But that was three years ago, and that's a long development cycle for a shooter. So it, it's it's kind of weird to me that Gaijin is almost done better in this regard because we've had the. Oh, God, what was it called? The one where you put together, like, post-apocalypse Mad Max-style cars. I know the one you mean, but I can't remember it. Yeah, and then Enlisted has just come out as well, and they both seem to be doing okay, but I've only played the car one. Well, I think Enlisted's problem is that Hell Let Loose and Squad have come out right behind Yeah, that's, that's more of a crowded genre. Yes, so you really do need to stand out there and... Uh, we'll see. They did get a head start, so maybe that'll help them out. Um, 
but they do seem to have been a bit more focused and found ways to put things out that at least get some traction. Whereas, yeah. I don't know, Wargaming, it feels like, because they were around before World of Tanks, but it feels like they kind of caught yeah. lightning in a bottle with World of Tanks and then they almost essentially... did it with World of Warships. Yeah. And kind of it's never used that same formula worked since. Yeah. Hmm. It almost feels like the successes were sort of an accident that they run with, and now they... Well, well, you know, considering the how they're developing, you. they might not understand even why they were successful in the first place. You know why it's called World of Tanks, don't you? No. They started out basically making a World of Warcraft knockoff. I didn't know that. So, this is a story I heard. Supposedly World of Tanks started out as a fantasy battle simulator. That might because I, I I I was an avid reader of of Silent Storm yeah. as well for many many years, which had some very interesting stuff on it over the years before he went off to work for Armored um, Warfare, which really I, didn't I, sink I, without I trace. vaguely remember this being mentioned that this is why it's called World of Tanks because it started out as orcs v elves beating each other up, and somewhere along the line, somebody realised we've got a pretty good tank game here. <laughs> and it just snowballed from there. I do remember specifically one of the, the really early test vehicles for testing out mechanics was like a tractor with a gun strapped to it. Like literally well, a tractor model with a gun strapped to it. That's not too far off some of the early German experiments. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a whole other topic. Yes. I mean, officially, Conrad, no, we, we don't have tanks. They're banned on the Versailles. We just have some very heavily armoured agricultural tractors. They're not tanks! It's his fault control, obviously, right? I mean, how else would you yes. get rid of pests other than with machine guns? Don't bring that up with the Australians. I think it's still <laughs> a sore point. Yeah, I, I'm just imagining, like, the... Is it the Australians or the New Zealanders that came up with the Bob sample? Uh, the New Zealanders. Okay. Although, in fairness, that was an emergency measure. Yeah. And to be honest, it was one of those things where, you know what? With what they had to work with, which was basically nothing for heavy industry and armour capabilities, it wasn't terrible. I mean, it would have been a death trap against proper tanks. But when you consider that New Zealand basically had no heavy metal working, yes. no heavy industry, no engine production, minimal arms production, the fact that they've managed to throw even the Bob Semple together is kind of an achievement. Um, then you look at something like, oh God, the Valiant, where <laughs> there was no such excuse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I just, I don't know, the thought I, I was having there was, if, would. How, how would Australia have done with the Bob Sample versus the emus? Would the emus still have won? Um, I'm going to say yes, because <laughs> the problem was not the emus attacking the tanks. The problem turned out to be that a 303 machine gun is not a very good weapon against an emu, <laughs> especially not one that is moving flat out. So I think it would have been made no difference whatsoever. Quite probably. But, yeah, no, I'm... Uh, okay, 
probably unfashionable, I'm not an expert, but I'm inclined to cut the Bob Semple a bit of slack because, you know, with what they had to work with, that was about the best they could have done, as far as I'm aware. That may not be a popular point of view. I lack any knowledge in that regard. We've probably gotten to a point where... Way off topic. Yes! Talking about the news in the Bob Temple tank, that's probably time to... Never mind, we can try and get Nicholas Moran on for next week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yes, I don't think we have much left to cover. So a mere hour and three quarters. Yeah, well, that's a short one. Exactly. Oh, God. Uh, Part of me wants these to get shorter just because it implies that less things will have gone bang. You know, we set out to have one hour podcast when we started. No. You you neglected to mention this. (laughs) Well, we've never managed a one hour podcast, so it's okay. Ah, well, well, in that case. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Uh, I think we've about covered everything. So yep. thanks everyone for watching by and uh, listening Indeed. to us ramble on. And well, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us, Yusra. You're welcome. And as usual, you can find Yusra the same as last week on his Twitch and on his uh, YouTube. Indeed. And still don't have an OnlyFans, I suppose. Uh, well, there was that thing last week. That <laughs> they did reverse the decision. Yeah. Yes, as I understand it, the problem was not so much... It was mostly that the banks and the payment providers were getting very, very twitchy about their business. Yeah. And it, that once they calmed down, it was fine. Okay, yeah, we can go back to doing the porn. Yeah, uh, well, it's good news for sex workers anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which is possibly on note to end Warship's podcast on. But the- <laughs> Considering the number of rabbit holes we've gone down in the last... Yeah. 100 minutes. I really don't think anyone's going to care. Yeah, and on that bombshell, thanks everyone for watching. Have a good night, and we'll see you next time. All right. right.